Well, amen. Good to see everybody here today and good to have you here in, in God's house. Now, I realize that in a group this large, there, there may be a few of you that, uh, you know, may tend to get a little bored during the service. And so uh, I, I brought with me some, some toys in case, you know, in fact, I borrowed these from my granddaughter. Uh, anybody, anybody know what these are? I call them Legos. I guess the official name is, is Mega Blocks. And these are my granddaughters. Of course, she's two, so this is already way too elementary for her because she's the smartest child that's ever been born, all right? So she lets me play with her, with her blocks. And you probably bought Lego blocks for your kids and your grandkids. But, but what if you came home from Walmart? Don't your kids and grandkids, don't they like to get a surprise from Walmart? What if you came home from Walmart and you said to your child or to your grandchild, Sweetie, I brought you a prize and they're all excited. They can't wait to see what prize. And they said, I got you a Lego block. What do I do with it? It's, it's sort of no fun if it's just one Lego block, right? You, you got to have the other block so that you can take it and you can take, put them together and connect them together and, and, and build things and, and make something worthwhile with, with all the, the Legos. And they're all different sizes and shapes and colors. You know, our Christian life is sort of like these Lego blocks. When God saved you, He never intended for you just to be a, a Lego block out there by yourself. In fact, you just take this ordinary block, there's not a whole lot you can do with this. I mean, you might can entertain yourself for a little while, some of you. <laughs> but for most of us, hey, <laughs> we're going to get bored with this pretty quickly. There's not a whole lot you can do with it. But if you put it in the box with all the other Lego blocks, wow. Because you can build and connect and, and make things and you can build towers or houses or cars or whatever. You can do a lot when you got all the Legos in the box. We know this, this box or bucket of Legos, it's sort of like the church. Because God intended for every person who is saved, it's like a Lego and you're not supposed to be over here just, you know, by yourself. Playing by yourself. You need to be connected to all the other blocks. And, and if you're not connected, then, then really you're not being who God called you to be. You're not doing what God created you to do. You're not becoming all that God wants you to become. It takes all the blocks working together in order for us to be connected. You know, Jesus was really pretty plain. One of the last words before he went to heaven, he, he gave his disciples what, what we call today the Great Commission. And, and that's simply this, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. He was very clear as to what it is the church is supposed to do. You know, I bet if we took a survey today among everybody that's here and, and we were to ask, hey, what do you think the church is supposed to do? Or what do you think our church needs to be doing? Okay. We would probably get a list that long 
of things we need to work on or improve on or things we need to start. I mean, we've all seen even in our lifetime how, how churches just seem to go through fads and different things. Some churches think they've got to be an activity center. Some, some, some churches, uh, you know, think that, that they have to, uh, you know, it's about who gets the biggest crowd there. But Jesus said, hey, I, I really only want you to do one thing. I want you to make disciples. In fact, in that great commission, that, that's the one word in that verse that's in the imperative, which means it's a command. It's, it's not optional. In other words, it's not a choice that you check off. He said, as, as my people, as my church, as my believers, my followers, I want you to make disciples. But he even goes a little further. Not only does he tell us what to do, he tells us how we do that. We do it by going. We do it by baptizing. We do it by teaching. Pretty much in, in those couple of verses, we see everything there is for the church to do. We, we might say it this way. We might say that, that we want to see people delivered. And then we want to see people developed. And then we want to see people deployed. We, we want to see them sent out. Another way of saying it, if we want to be more theological, we can say, hey, we want to see people saved. We want to see people sanctified. And then we want to see people sent. At, at Indian Springs, our, our strategy has long been, we, we want to help people to begin their relationship with God. We, we want to help them to belong to a, a church family, and then we want to help them to become all that God wants them to be. We, we see in the, in, the, uh, in the New Testament Jesus saying very clearly what it is that he wants us to do and what he wants us to be as, as his followers. But let's think about the, the early church. How well did they do it? In other words, Jesus told them what to do, and then he went to heaven. Fifty days later in Acts chapter 2, if you want to turn there, we, we find this being said of the early church. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, and everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now think about it, 50 days after Jesus was crucified, 10 days after he had given them the Great Commission, we find the church doing exactly what he asked them to do. They hit the streets and they begin to preach. If we read in Acts chapter 2, we find Peter going out and preaching, and on the very first day, 3,000 people were saved and baptized. Now you talk about a space problem. We don't even begin to think of a space problem. 3,000 people all of them, they didn't even have a building committee together yet. And they had three people baptized and, and, and in the body of Christ. They went from 120 to 3120 just like that. So what did they do? They, they kept meeting daily. They met in the large group in the temple. But then they met in the small group in their homes. And we see what the early church were devoted to. They were devoted to the teaching of the apostles, the word of God. They were devoted to the fellowship. They were devoted to one another, to the group. They, they were devoted to fellowship. They were breaking bread from house to house. 
See, Christians have always liked to eat, right? Meat and eat. They were doing it, even in the New Testament. We're biblical when we do that. They were committed to, the, to fellowship. They were committed to prayer, praying for one another. And they were committed to ministry. And we see that it's right there in, in the early church, we see exactly what ought to be the, the, the goals of a, of a small group. You see, just like the Lego blocks, everybody needs to be connected. And one of the ways that we're connected in our church is by people being connected in a small group. You see, in our church, everything we do, we, we do through small groups. You see, we're not a church with Sunday school small groups. We're a church of Sunday school small groups. Do you see the difference? The Sunday school is not a ministry that we offer. It's not a, a, a parachurch organization. It's, it's not something that's sort of out there if you want to be a part of that. The Sunday school small groups is the church. And as we grow larger, just like the New Testament church, we have to grow smaller. That's why it's important for everyone to be in a Sunday school small group. If I were to ask some of you, even in the early service when we don't have near as many people, if I were to ask somebody to stand up, I, I want you to stand up, and uh, I, I want you to stand up, Patrick, and I want you to name everybody in this room. Okay? Yeah. Be sort of hard to do. You'd get Jenna, but after that you'd probably struggle a little, right? Okay. <laughs> There's no, absolutely no way for you and me as a church to come together in this room and know everybody. But when you connect in your small group, you not only know one another's names, but you know one another's pain. You not only know the victory in their life, but you know the struggles in their life. And not only are you praying for them, they are praying for you. You see, the, the, the small group is, is, is the church being the church. Sometimes we want to act like that's something extra. I mean, we even say it, right, even in our vernacular. We say, did you come to Sunday school or did you just go to church? Don't we do that? Like, like our time in here, this is church. So you've got Sunday school or you've got small group and you've got church. You see, it's very clear in the New Testament that the New Testament church, there was worship, there was a large group, and then there was the small group. Both were a part of the church. The Sunday school small group is the church. But hey, if we're going to have Sunday school small groups, and the more people we reach, 11 people I believe are going to be baptized this morning, if we're going to continually be starting new groups for new people, we've got to have leaders, right? It takes people that God has called out and placed. And we need leaders to lead small groups. And so I want to take just a moment today to challenge those who are our Sunday school small group leaders. If, that's all just introduction. If you take your Bible, turn with me to Romans very quickly. Romans chapter 15. We're going to finally get to the message. 
Tom told you last week we were tag teaming. He looked in Romans chapter 1 and used the Apostle Paul as an example. Paul said that I'm, dead, I'm indebted or I'm debtor, I'm eager, I'm not ashamed. And then he writes the book of Romans which is probably the most theological book in all the Bible. And then after he writes all that stuff he gets to Romans chapter 15 and he gets personal again as he's signing off to the church at Rome. And in this we see some very interesting things about the Apostle Paul. And next to Jesus himself, I believe Paul is the greatest model for ministry that we could have. So let's learn some things about the secret of the Apostle Paul. If you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 15, we're going to begin in verse 14. Would you stand with me in honor of God's Word as we read Romans chapter 15, verse 14. He says, I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. I've written you quite boldly on some points as if to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. You may be seated. Paul writing the wrong, he said, you are competent to instruct one another. You see, I, I think we, we see a trend today when we start talking about success in ministry. Somehow along the way, because we think bigger is better, we have decided that those churches that are successful are those who are able to draw the largest crowd. And so now we see how many people we can get in the Astrodome or we see how many people that we can get in an in arena or a stadium or if we can build bigger and bigger buildings so that we can get more and more people involved thinking that somehow if we can just get the crowd large enough that somehow we'll be able to accomplish the Great Commission. But you know as we see crowds getting larger we don't seem to see a lot of people being saved, do we? A lot of folks being discipled. A lot of people being sent out. In fact, a church is not measured by its seating capacity. It's measured by its sending capacity. Not by how many it seats, but how many it sends. And, and so we, we see the idea of building bigger and bigger crowds, but we don't exactly see that as New Testament success, do we? Because we need to be developed we need to be deployed we we need small groups and we need leaders and I'm thankful for the small Sunday school small group leaders for the Awana small group leaders that we have here at Indian Springs men and women who are totally committed and called to the task that God has given to them you see, those are the kinds of leaders we need. First of all, we need leaders who are, who are called by the grace of God. 
Paul said there in, in, in verse 15, he, he said, I have written you quite boldly, but notice, because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus. Paul was called because of the grace of God. You see, Paul's saying, I don't deserve to be in ministry. Just like I don't deserve to be in ministry. You don't deserve to be in ministry. We don't even deserve to be saved. It's not because of our goodness or because of our righteousness or because of our attitude. We, we don't deserve anything that God gives to us. But because God is a God of love and because God exercises grace, He, he reaches down and He saves us. He changes us. And He calls us. See, we need small group leaders who know that they're called by the grace of God. And by that, I'm, isn't, it, isn't it wonderful you got the word grace? You know that God calls imperfect people. You see, you don't, you don't, you don't have to be perfect to be used by God. What, what if, we, if we waited just for God to call all the perfect people? How much would get done? Absolutely nothing, right? Because God uses imperfect people. You see, it's not about who you are. It's about who God is. God didn't call Paul because of who Paul was. God called Paul because of who God was. And he calls us because of who he is. It's not about being perfect. It's called by the, the, the grace of God. We got a lot of guests here today. You know, and if you're here today looking for that perfect church, hey, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but we're not a perfect church. Because the church is people. None of us are perfect. You know, even though he thinks he is, we don't even have a perfect pastor. <laughs> but we got a called pastor, a faithful pastor. Because a church is not about perfect people. It's about imperfect people that God, by His grace, calls to do ministry. We need leaders who are called by the grace of God. And then Paul goes on, he says that we need leaders who proclaim the gospel of God. He said, that's my duty, my priestly duty, to proclaim the gospel of God. You see, as we gather together in our small groups, we gather together, I mean, not, I mean while we, we may have a lot of idle chit-chat and fun and all of that, we, we gather together not to talk about the ball games or, or the fishing trips or vacations or even the kids and the grandkids. We gather to open up the Word of God. That, that ought to be the center of every one of our small group meetings because the Word of God speaks to every situation that we have in life. Every situation that you've ever had, every situation that you ever will have, the Word of God speaks to everything. And so as we open up the Word of God in our, in our small group, I'm thankful for small group leaders who will faithfully teach the Word of God. Because our small groups must be built on the Word of God. And so as a small group leaders who faithfully prepare and teach each and every week, I, I say thank you. You see, Paul's gospel was very simple. He said, I preach Christ and Him crucified. That's the gospel. 
That's the good news. That ordinary people like me and you, sinners who are lost, can be saved because of what God did for us on the cross. That's good news. And when we come into our Sunday school small groups, we open up the Word of God and we're reading the good news. There's nothing as important as studying the Word of God together. But Paul continues. He says we're called by the grace of God, proclaim the gospel of God. But, but then notice he said, everything I do, I do it for the glory of God. Notice verse 17, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. You see, we need leaders who serve for the glory of God. Now, now Paul, notice about Paul. He wanted people to be more impressed with God than he wanted people to be impressed with him. Don't sometimes in life we, we worry a lot about, you know, making a good impression. You know, we always say, hey, we always want to make a, you never get a second chance to make a good first impression. We want to make a good impression on people. We want to put our best foot forward. But Paul said, hey, everything I do, I want God to get the glory for it. See, it's not about us. It's not about what we've done. It's not about you. It's about who God is. You, have you ever had something happen maybe at work or school and somebody took your work and turned it in as theirs? <laughs> you did all the work and they took the credit. You did all the work they got the praise. You did all the work they got the promotion. Man, at school or in the workplace, that doesn't sit too well. But in our service for Christ... Everything that we do, we want him to get the credit for. We want him to get the glory for. You see, God doesn't call us to be spiritual superstars. In other words, as, as, as servants of his, we're not to be carrying around a, 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 a book of our own press clippings to show people how spiritual we are and how smart we are and, and how much we've served God. And, you know, here, you want to see my spiritual resume? Here it is right here. Paul said, no, everything I do, I glory in Christ Jesus. You see, we have to be very careful because when we're successful, if we're not careful, pride will set in. It happens in individuals. It happens in churches. And it seems to me that, there, that there's nothing that God seems to judge swifter than pride. In fact, Jesus was very plain, very clear. He said, you exalt yourself, you'll be humbled. But you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. In other words, as spiritual leaders, as small group leaders, serve with humility. Doesn't matter who gets the credit. It's a privilege for you just to be able to serve. You see, sometimes we can almost act like we're doing God and the church a favor. God's doing us a favor by calling us and sending us out and allowing us to serve. It's a precious, precious privilege. And that ought not puff us up. That ought to cause us to be humble. Be on guard against pride is the as leaders. What's the old saying? You get too big for your britches, you'll be exposed in the end. Be careful. You don't get too big for your britches. 
Small group leaders serve for the glory of God. Paul said, I'm not going to share anything except what Jesus has done through me. And then we have small group leaders who minister by the power of God. Paul said, hey, I'm, I'm not going to share anything I've done. I'm just going to share what Jesus has done through me, and it's all because of his power. You see, it's not what you do, it's what God does through you. It, it, it seems today, going back to, to as we put these two together, it seems today that uh, as, as I visit with churches and, and, and staff members, it, it seems like creeping in today there is some sort of a, a spiritual arrogance where it's almost that, that when churches reach a certain size or a certain level of success, they begin to say, hey, look at us. Look what we've done. Look what we've accomplished. And Paul said, hey, it's all because of the power of God. John 15, 5, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Not apart from me, well, you can do a few things. You can do some small things. Apart from me, you might do something successful every now and then. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. That's why Paul would write to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Small group leaders who minister by the power of God and then Paul goes on we need small group leaders who strive for the for the purpose of God Paul knew his purpose his purpose was to take the gospel to places it had never been before he was called to be an apostle to the to the Gentiles and so if he knew of a place where no one had preached the gospel the Lord would lead him there and he'd preach people would be saved and uh, they would start churches and then Paul would move on to the next place he knew his purpose he had a purpose to believers. He had a purpose to unbelievers. The same in our small groups. We, we have believers. We might call that our ministry of discipleship. And then we have unbelievers, our ministry of, a, of evangelism. As we, as we reach out and also as we build in. You see, one of the challenges of a small group, if we're not careful, is we can get happy with us four and no more. In other words, we got the ten folks in our group that we really like. And, hey, we've been together a long time, and we're going to say, we really don't want anybody else in our group. I mean, if somebody comes in here, okay, but we really don't go after anybody. We don't invite anybody. We don't follow up on anybody. We like our group. We like our room. We like things the way they are. But as small group leaders, we've got to strive for the purpose of God, which says, hey, we want to be reaching out to new people. You say, well, why do we keep starting new groups? Well, because, hey, there's people that we haven't reached yet, and they need a new small group. We don't start small groups for people we already have. We start small groups for folks who we've yet to reach. And Paul understood, and he strived for the purpose of God to keep taking the gospel, the good news, to everybody, to believers and unbelievers. And then finally, we need small group leaders who are joined by the people of God. Because you may be here today and, and you're thinking, man, I'm glad I'm not a small group leader. None of that applied to me today. It does apply to you. Let me, let me show you how. Look down in verse 30. 
Romans chapter 15. He said, I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. You see, your small group leader is not your small group, just like our pastor is not our church. We're all in it together. We're, we're all Legos that, that are connected together. And there is a, there, like Jeff was sharing earlier, there is a place for everybody to serve. You may say, well, 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 what can I do? I'm not a small group leader. What can I do? Well, well, well first of all, I want to encourage you to pray for your small group leader. I want to encourage you to pray for your pastor. I want to encourage you to pray for your small group leader. And then secondly, I want to encourage you to be committed to your small group. And notice that word committed. Think about it. Our small group leaders faithfully prepare every week so that when you get together as a group, they'll be able to lead the discussion of the Word of God. They don't get paid to do that. They work jobs. They're just as busy as you are. Now think about it. A small group leader studies and prepares and gets ready all week. And then they get to their small group and nobody shows up. So you need to be committed to your group. The early church, they were committed to the fellowship. They were, they were committed to one another. Be committed to it. And then finally find your place of service. Not everybody's called to teach. Okay, everybody's not going to be a teacher. But there is something in your small group for everybody. Maybe a prayer leader. Maybe the class secretary. Maybe the party planner, the fellowship leader. Maybe a care group leader. There is something for everybody to do in your small group. Just like in the body of Christ, there is something for everybody. Everybody can't teach, just like everybody can't sing. You know, some of us are prison singers. We're always behind a few bars and can't find the right key, right? Some of us, you don't want to give us a microphone, okay? And not everybody's called to teach. That's okay. Because God places the members in the body as it pleases Him. And so while we're going to recognize and challenge our small group leaders here in just a moment, you are just as important as they are. You are just as vital. You are just as called and you are just as gifted. Just in a little different way. But God doesn't call anybody to say, well, my spiritual gift is just try to be there by... 10.45 on Sunday morning and find my chair. He expects more out of us than that. He deserves more out of us than that. He's called us for more than that. Don't just take your Lego and sit over and play with it by yourself. Find folks with the other Legos. And get in there together and build something for the glory of God. As I pray, I'm going to ask all of our small group leaders, whether it's Sunday school or whether it's a small groups or whether it's Awanas, as we're praying, I'm going to ask you just to move right down to the front. Also, as we pray right now, we're going to have baptism in just a little while. And if you're going to be baptized today, I'm going to encourage you to go ahead and move to the dressing rooms to prepare for that, okay? Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you that uh, you're
you were very plain in what you told us as a church to do, that our goal, our task is to make disciples. And that we see in the practice of the early church that uh, we, we do that as we come together in a large group, but Lord, that we also have to come together in small groups so that we can effectively care and, and minister. Lord, I, I thank you for each of these small group leaders. Though some have served for many, many years. Some are making a commitment to serve this year for the very first time. Lord, I thank you for them. And Lord, in this time of commitment, during this time of commissioning today, Lord, I pray, not for just these folks who are standing down front, but also for everyone who's sitting out there, those who are working even over in the nursery today, Lord, that we would all be committed to find our place in the body, find our small group, and get in there and serve you and be committed to you and to one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As our small group leaders has come to the front, uh, if uh, Lisa's handing out a, a, a commissioning,